Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, today on the show I have Josh Lawson. I think if I recall correctly, my second ever male guest on the Inspired to Action podcast. The first one was New York Times bestselling author Andy Andrews. And that was way back in episode number 13, which was a fantastic one. Definitely go check that out. But today, Josh and I are talking all about finances and marriage. Really good stuff. Great tips. And that's coming up in just a minute. But first, I want to start off like I usually do. And I just want to say thanks because honestly, that's not something moms hear all that much. But I want to thank you just for being purposeful, for giving your all and for really raising great kids. You know, maybe, maybe you're raising the scientist who's going to find a cure for cancer. Maybe the nose that you just wiped was that of a great teacher. Maybe you're teaching the ABCs to an author who is going to use words to heal um, hurting people and lead them to Jesus. Maybe you're doing the hard work of teaching responsibility to a teenager who's someday going to lead nations. Or maybe, just maybe, you're cuddling a child who is someday going to be a mother or father and carry on the legacy that you've started of raising world changers. So thank you for investing in your children and investing, honestly, in the world that my children are going to know. Good job, Mom. Good job. And speaking of encouragements, you know, I've gotten so many sweet encouragements from you guys the past couple weeks. I don't exactly know why, but I love it. Keep it coming. It really inspires me, especially when I get to the nitty gritty parts of podcasting that aren't always all that much fun for me. It keeps me going and it inspires me. So I just want to say thank you. And I particularly loved this review from the Kim family of four over on iTunes. And she says this, after struggling for several months with a severe depression, God answered my prayers to get some help to help myself. And this podcast has given me wisdom, tools, and best of all, encouragement to make the hard but amazing choices that have completely flipped my life around. Kat is hilarious and transparent and down to earth. And I'm going to stop typing now so you can just start listening. You will not regret a single minute listening to this awesome McSawesome podcast. <laughs> I love it, y'all. I am here to bring you an awesome McSawesome podcast. And, you know, those reviews and encouragements mean so much to me. And you know, I, sometimes I just wish we could have one giant slumber party because I am so thankful for each of you amazing moms. And I know we'd have a blast. And actually, if you happen to live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I will be speaking at Sally Clarkson's Mom Heart Conference coming up in February of 2015. And as we all know, conferences are really just grown-up versions of slumber parties. So... I would love for you to check that out. Maybe we could grab some coffee and have a great time. Sally Clarkson is amazing, and you will learn so much at that conference. If you want to learn more about it, just go to momheartconference.com. 
Now, I also want to say a huge thanks to today's podcast sponsor, PlanToEat.com. And, in, you know, in today's episode, we talk about money and finances, and I share about a crazy season when my grocery budget was less than my age. I'm just going to let you guys figure that one out, but let's just say Jimmy and I ate a lot of noodles. And now our family, uh, you know, we have a family of five, so our budget has grown, but I still want to be wise with what I buy. And one of the best ways that I've done that is just to plan our meals each week. And this keeps me from making random and very expensive trips to the grocery store. Now, before I use Plan to Eat, I will say that I was invited to the baby shower and wedding of some grocery store employees. Now, that's great for, you know, relationship building, but really bad because that tells you how often I went to the grocery store. It was really sad. People would ask me where my kids were if I didn't have all three of my children because they knew our family so well. So plantoeat.com has really helped me to just make one, maybe two trips to the grocery store a week um, just to get fresh vegetables and stuff on that second trip. So it's so helpful. And, you know, I can even make my meal plan while I'm sitting, and I do this actually very often, while I'm sitting in the parking lot of the grocery store. Just in like five minutes, I just click, click, click. My meal plan is set. My shopping list is ready to go. And I run into the grocery store. So easy. So be sure to go to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action to get their free 30-day trial And stay tuned for my meal planning boot camp that I'm going to be holding after the holidays to get you guys all set up for an amazing 2015. All right, now on to today's show with Josh Lawson, all about money and marriage. Hey, Josh, thank you so much for being on the Inspired to Action podcast today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I am really excited to talk to you today because money is something I don't think I've ever talked or written about, actually on my blog or on the podcast, but it's actually something pretty near and dear to my husband and I's heart. I mean, that sounds funny, but just keeping a proper financial perspective is something that's really, really important to us. And I don't know why it's something I've never talked about before. Um, so I'm so excited that you've written this book and that you're you know, available to be on the podcast and to talk about it today. So uh, I'm really glad you could be here. And fun fact um, for everybody listening, I spend probably an average of, I don't know, three hours um, every couple weeks staring at the back of Josh and his wife Jenny's heads <laughs> because they have season tickets for Baylor football about five or six rows in front of us. And so there's a fun fact for you. So probably Josh and I are both a little bit in mourning right now that Baylor did not make the the playoffs. Yes. But yes. it was a great victory against Kansas State on Saturday. So that's right. If true we sound, Big Twelve champ. True Big Twelve champs. If you're a TCU fan listening, we love you anyway. All right, <laughs> moving on. Uh, so, Josh, I would love for you to tell us a little bit just about you and your family, and um, yeah. Great. Well, I am happily married uh, to my wife of six and a half years. Uh, her name is Jenny. Uh, Lawson, and we have two boys, Asher, who is four and a half, and Jack Jameson, who is one and a half. And uh, we live uh, here in Texas, and I work at a a church here in town, and I do both community development there and do uh, financial training for um, our members and for our community. So how did you get involved in teaching people about finance? What is your 
financial story, if you will? Yeah, my financial story isn't uh, probably like a lot of people's, uh, but my dad was an accountant. And so you can imagine the the long lectures and uh, um, teachings that I received throughout the years. And um, I actually went through um, a class when I was in high school um, teaching me about finance. And it really stuck inside of me. And so going through college, I went to Baylor and studied entrepreneurship. And my plan, uh, my self-declared plan, my freshman year was to be a billionaire uh, by the time I was 30. Uh, I turned 30 here in a, in a few months and I'm not there yet. <laughs> well, you um, have a few months. So. Yeah, we have a few months. So, uh, yeah. Um, so then I, I uh, went into the workforce after graduating college and um, I found a program in England where they were working with people who were in debt um, and helping them get on a plan, but then also you know, going into every area of their life, talking about marriage, talking about their relationships uh, with God, with one another. And they were seeing some incredible results from that. And so a friend and I decided, hey, we need that here in Waco. And uh, we, we decided to start that in our town and um, started a nonprofit and uh, started counseling people one-on-one. And it kind of blew up from there. And we started doing financial classes in churches and around the community. Um, and that's kind of how we started. Um, and then uh, January of that year, I decided to, uh, to quit my job. Um, and I was engaged at the time to my wife now. And uh, I remember that first conversation saying, hey, um, I've got this great paying job. And we're about to get married in six months. And I'm going to quit that job and not make any money. And, uh, and we're just going to try and figure this thing out. So for the first four months of, of starting that nonprofit, I had an income of zero. And uh, so much for that billionaire dream. <laughs> uh, and then we, we started uh, doing that um, uh, here at the church in June of that year and got married in June of that year. So we were off and running at that point. Now, have you always led the financial class at church? Because Jimmy and I went through it, I guess, many years ago, probably right around that time. So that's that's kind of a fun backstory. Yeah. Um, Well, so there's a lot to be said for starting off on the right foot with your dad as an accountant. And I know for Jimmy and I, our story is a little bit different. We didn't grow up with accountant parents, and um, and in college, I completely fell for the old, here, get a free t-shirt if you sign up for this credit card thing. Right. And yeah. so I had this awesome free t-shirt, and then I also had about $5,000 in debt. Um, after I graduated from college and right before we got married, he um, after I graduated, Jimmy stayed for grad school, and I worked at one of the local dorms as an assistant dorm director. So, you know, I was really raking in the cash, as you can imagine, as an assistant dorm director. And um, we were trying to pay off that debt before I got married. And um, and then, you know, he's going to grad school. And so we're, we're having more college loans and stuff. And so once we got married and we moved to Houston and Jimmy got his first real job and, and I started working as well, we just decided based on we, we learned so much at our church about just the idea of trying to be debt free so that we can be free to do whatever God calls us to. And yeah. so basically our story is that our first few years of marriage, uh, once we started, got real jobs, um, we just did everything we could 
to pay off our college loans and any debt that we had. And I mean, just an example of how very serious we were. Um, we lived in Houston at the time. I worked, we lived in the Woodlands and I worked in a town called Humble, which was about 45 minutes away. And the air conditioning did not work in our truck. And I drove 45 minutes you know, each way in heavy traffic in Houston for an entire summer with no air conditioning. Uh, wow. Just because we wanted to, I'm sure people have done much more sacrificial things, but it felt very sacrificial at the time. And um, I would say that doing that, and I don't remember exactly how long it took, maybe a year or two, but we paid off our college loans and our debt. And that's really how we started our marriage. And I think it's had greater impact, I think, that I would ever imagine on just our relationship, the way we relate to each other, the way we view money, that initial sacrifice. So there's your story of starting off kind of on the right foot with great financial wisdom when you're growing up. There's our story of making some kind of big mistakes, but then having a dedicated time to, you know, hopefully kind of reset the ship. What would you say to people listening who didn't hear that great advice until later, until they have a family, until they have kids. And now they're at the point where they want to reset the ship and it feels impossible. What would you yeah, say the, to them? The first thing I would say is uh, there's always hope. There's always hope no matter where you're at, no matter how far gone you feel like you are, um, you're never too far gone. And you can start making small decisions once, once a week, once a day, every day, every morning, uh, to, to start riding that ship. You know, you can't turn this big ship in, in one fatal swoop, but you can make small decisions day after day to get you there. Um, and, uh, usually if you're, if you're overwhelmed by the magnitude of the problem or by the magnitude of the mess or the lack of knowledge that you feel like you have, um, that, that usually handcuffs us, you know, and we decide to not do anything um, because we feel like we can't do anything. But I would encourage you, uh, no matter where you're at, just to, to do something to, to, you know, whether it's get on a cash only plan or to even look at the bank account that you haven't looked at in several months or just to figure out where you're at to do one small step um, because that's usually what will get you going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. What's that quote? Um, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. I'm, I'm sure I butchered that, but you know, just the idea that if you're going to run a marathon, you have to take that first step. And a lot of times that can be the hardest because it feels scary. Absolutely. And it feels overwhelming and, and you feel insignificant and you feel like, um, you don't have what it takes, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, you do have what it takes. Mm -hmm. And, there are a billion resources out there for you. And, you know, if you were to kind of peel back uh, the surface level uh, of, of what is going on, you'd realize everybody else is feeling the same exact way. You know, mm -hmm. everybody else is feeling under pressure and they, they, they want to compare. And, um, and you have to realize you're not abnormal. And usually that's the first thing I try and tell people whenever – um, I sit down with them or Jenny and I sit down with them is first, there is hope. Uh, you're okay. And, um, and you're normal. And, but at the end of the day, you're not going to stay here. Um, and we're going in a new direction. Um, and it will take one step at a time to get you there. 
I love that. And I would imagine that for a married couple, the first step is just getting on the same page. You know, I shared that story in the beginning about Jimmy and I's financial journey, um, simply because it going through that that time um, and, and really, really making a lot of hard choices. I want to say our grocery budget was like twenty five dollars. Oh my uh, a week or something. I don't know. We had a lot of noodles. We had all hand-me-down <laughs> furniture. And just to top it off, we lived in the woodlands. And if you're familiar with Houston at all, you know, we it is a very nice neighborhood. And we completely brought in the bottom end of the socioeconomic scale. We drove around Jaguars and BMWs with my Toyota Corolla that the um, whatever the muffler thing is didn't really work. So, you know, it was humiliations galore, as the guy from The Princess Bride would say. Um, but that that difficult part, I think, really united us. And so as you look towards maybe overcoming some sort of financial burden that you have, know that this journey, if you make it as a married couple, it will unite you and it will give you a common vision and a common goal. And I think that that season that could have been difficult really was one of the sweetest um, in our marriage and, and, and set us up for a lot. So while there is probably a, a huge sense of overwhelm, Right now, there's. I also just want to encourage you that there is so much, um, so many blessings coming from it. Not just financial, but relational as well. Um, so, so just to get started, marriage and money. It's something that can divide people. Um, how, how does somebody, you know, if some my mom is listening right now and they want to to right the ship. How do they even begin that journey of getting their spouse on board with the idea as well? That's always a tricky, a tricky question, you know, um, but it's always a healthy one to ask maybe a different way of how can we get on the same page? Um, you know, and if you, if you watch a, an orchestra play, um, everyone is playing a different instrument usually, but they're all on the same page. They might be playing different notes. They might be watching different things, but they're all uh, going at the same uh, rate at the same tempo and they're they're reading similar notes and so getting on the same page um, I would say usually starts with a uh, a little bit longer a little bit harder conversation than you probably want to um, but you the you have to remember to to kind of frame the entire conversation in grace you know that you're not coming with all of the answers and trying to point out all of the flaws uh, I've rarely to never seen that work uh, very well. But if you come humbly and saying, hey, I've, I've been the, the chiefest of sinners. I've been the, the, the one that's been wrong also in this whole deal. Um, but how can we do this together? If you come, you know, saying you are going to do this or you're going to get on my page, uh, it won't work. Um, but if you come saying, hey, baby, let's do this together. And we both have strengths, we both have weaknesses, but God created us like this so that we can complement one another, so that we can be on a team together. Um, because if you do it as a team, you'll be a lot more successful than one trying to drag the other like a stubborn uh, donkey um, through the process. So. so do wives and husbands look at finances differently or should we kind of expect our spouse to kind of think the same way as we do? Well, for years, Jenny and I thought that uh, we should, that 
I saw money the same way that Jenny sees money and I spend money the same way she spends it. But uh, after a few uh, heated discussions, we'll call it, <laughs> um, we realized and I realized actually I had this epiphany one day and I, I said, we're talking about, you know, she had overspent or I had been a tightwad or something. And I said, we are not even seeing this thing the same way. And it was just like the heavens opened and, you know, the light shone down. And it was this nugget of truth of like, Jenny, you are seeing this from a totally different angle than I am. And so to answer your your question, absolutely not. And uh, for years, we tried to, to beat each other over the head saying, see it my way, see it my way, instead of saying, how are you seeing this? And how can I... Um, get behind you and come together with you to see this, uh, maybe how you're seeing it. Um, so yeah, we, we do not, uh, husbands and wives do not see money the same way. Um, you have the, the whole male female, um, part of it, but then you also have what we would call is just different money personalities, um, different ways that God has created us to see money and to manage money, we all have different personalities. And the the challenging part and the the funny part, but also not so funny part, is that usually he brings two people together who are usually complete opposites in terms of money personalities. And uh, it's a funny game to watch. Those two people try and, you know, one who's left-handed, one who's right-handed, try and play the same game together. So what are some of those money personalities? Yeah, so we break it down usually in in three questions. Um, So we say, how do I get to where I want to go? How do other people fit into the process? And uh, how do I spend the money that I do have? So for that first question, how do I get to where I want to go? We say that there's a planner and there's a floater. Uh, The planners, obviously, are going to be the ones who want to have a plan. They want to stick by the plan, uh, they have to have order, and uh, and the floater uh, hates all of those things. Uh, they they just want to be spontaneous, you know, and uh, they just get to where they go, and they hope that it all works out in in the whole process. Um, as you could probably tell, I am the planner between Jenny and I, uh, and she is the floater between us. Um, the second question would be, how do other people fit in? the process. And this was probably the, the, the one that unlocked so much in our relationship. Um, but it's, there's a practical thinker first and an emotional thinker. So whenever we are seeing a, a problem or whenever we're seeing a purchase, I think very practically, it is very black and white to me. Um, it's not about people. It's not about anything like that. Is it, it is a numbers game. And um, it doesn't matter who is involved. If, if you spend more than, than we have, then you're in trouble. Uh, the other side of that is an emotional thinker, um, someone who, who really feels the situation, who sees it more of, it's not about the numbers, but how can I love this person that's in front of me? Um, one story that really shows this is when we first got married, um, I didn't say this earlier, but we were broke. Um, we had kind of like you guys, we had no money and, uh, and times were really, really tight. And we were probably a few months into our marriage 
and Jenny comes up to me and we were doing the whole envelope system and, and she says, Hey, I made this cake for my friend. And I said, okay, great. You know, it was, it was her friend's birthday. And I said, well, where did you get the money? Cause our grocery money is, is completely gone already. You know, it's the second week of the month. And she said, well, I, uh, or her, it was actually her personal allowance money was all gone. And she said, well, I took a little bit from our grocery money. And to me, the structure, practical guy, I just blew a gasket. And I was like, what? How in the world could you spend our grocery money? And, and she was seeing it from the totally different side of it's about her friend and loving her friend. Um, so practical versus the, the emotional thinker. And then the last part is how do I spend what I have? And uh, I, am a, I am a tightwad. There's the tightwad versus the carefree spender. So I'm the tightwad. Uh, if, if I have $100, it will probably take me a year to spend $100, <laughs> you know. Um, and then Jenny is the carefree spender, you know. And she doesn't think, you know, she doesn't need, you know, she doesn't have all these cravings to spend money. But she wants to enjoy life, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so if that means having something nice, she wants to enjoy it. I could really care less about enjoying anything. Uh, I just want to win at the end of the day. So those, those three types, how do I get to where I want to go? How do other people fit in and how do I spend what I have? Usually people are on, you know, one side or the other of those. That is so good. It's amazing how powerful it is when we can kind of put things into little tidy boxes so that we can understand people. And it makes it less about being right or wrong and more about just the lens that we're looking through. Um, That is so good. So, so let's bring this down to something really practical. And and I do want to make sure that I remember to ask you about your just overall view on finances and how it might be different than most financial people. I want to ask you about that later. Um, so don't, don't let me forget because I okay. think that's hugely important. Um, but right now let's, we've talked about these three questions and, and how spouses can kind of work together. Let's bring it down to a really practical example, Christmas. This can be a really stressful time for a lot of families, a lot of marriages. Um, what are some thoughts and tips that you would give to moms and maybe husbands that might be listening along right now to make Christmas and the holidays a little bit less financially stressful this year? Yeah. This past week we had a group of friends over at our house and we said, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think of Christmas? And as we went around the group, you know, probably three quarters of the group said pressure. You know, it is this time of intense pressure and usually because of uh, expectations, you know, expectations of needing to buy gifts, and usually we can't afford all the gifts that we want to buy. Um, and so you bring that pressure into a marriage, and it can be a terrible concoction of pressure on a marriage. Um, so a few ways that uh, marriages can get on, or couples can get on the same page, um, I would say, you know, looking at how you both see Christmas and what you value, sitting down and just asking one another Hey, what do you value in Christmas? What do you value during this time? To to Jenny, she values, um, you know, being with family. She values um, giving the perfect gift to each person. She doesn't have to have the most expensive or anything like that, but she wants to make sure and give a right gift so that people feel known. 
Um, to me, I just want to make sure that we don't spend any money during Christmas. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you have to have this compromise. And so our, our first year of marriage, I said, okay, how much do you want to spend on Christmas? And she gave me the number and, uh, and I had to pull myself up off of the floorboard, <laughs> you know, cause I was in shock cause I never, I never bought Christmas gifts. I mean, as bad as that sounds, I was a cheapskate. I was, you know, the, the youngest kid. So it was more about me, but she wanted to love people. So getting on the same page and saying, all right, what is our, maybe don't call it a budget, but what's our amount that we're going to spend this Christmas and then, and then saying, okay, who can we buy for? And maybe saying, who do we really need to buy for? And if you had to buy for five people, um, who would those five people be? Um, because usually what I've seen is that we have all these expectations to buy for everybody and we just get overwhelmed by that. So just narrowing down in the season and saying, let's buy for our kids or for each other and for our parents, maybe something like that. And then just say, we love everybody else. Let's get creative with that. Um, and then a phrase that I've been using in this season is, is to give within your means. We've heard live within your means, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, but to give within your means. Um, don't compare yourself to your sister or your, your uncle or, you know, even your best friend. Don't compare yourself to what they're doing. Figure out what, what you have and what um, the amount that you can and should spend and then commit to that and be totally happy um, to only spend that during this time. That's really good. That's really good. Um, I'm reading this book by Bill Hybels called Simplify. Have you read that? I have not read it yet, it's, but I've heard it's a great book. Yeah, it is. And he talks about finances in one part of it. And um, he talks about, you know, how when we go beyond our means, it's almost like saying, you know what, God, what you've provided for me really isn't sufficient. So I'm going to kind of step outside of what you've given me. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and just figure out my own plan. And that was really convicting for me because, it, you know, as we have more kids and we think about college or w right now we're one car family, we think about, you know, adding another car or whatnot. You know, I, I'm we're often thinking about, OK, well, you know, this isn't really cutting it. Maybe we need to come up with a different solution. And that that one statement, I guess, really, really challenged me to stick with the idea of living or and giving within my means, you know, and, and I just think that's such a powerful, powerful way to look at it. Um, Absolutely. Okay, so we've talked a lot about finances. Some, I mean, you've given us some fantastic talking points to have with our spouse, a, a wonderful way to look at Christmas. Um, but I want everybody to really understand that your perspective on fin finances is so different than probably what they're used to. So I would love for you to just give everyone a little vision for why we want to um, manage our finances well. Yeah, and I would probably start by saying, what's the ultimate goal of our finances? Um, and for years, I wrestled through that question of purpose. You know, what's the purpose of this money that God has given me? And um, I think that's a question that we all need to ask ourselves. It is a very healthy, healthy question. Um, and because we can justify a lot of different uses of our money, but at the end of the day, 
we have to align with whatever God says the ultimate purpose of our money is. And for me, my, my life verse has been Matthew six thirty three, And uh, it's a picture of probably where we've all been in our lives. Um, you know, they're all sitting there at the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is talking with all these people. And you could probably hear the murmurings. You know, he's saying, give everything, follow me, and all this. And people are saying, yeah, right. We've got all of these things to take care of. And smack dab in the middle of that, he says, hey, don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothing. Don't worry about um, all these things because that's what uh, everybody else runs after. That's what people who aren't following me are concerned about. And then he wraps it up in Matthew 6.33 and he says, but seek first my kingdom and all these things will be taken care of. And so whenever I first read that verse um, and allowed myself to, to really meditate on it, it changed me. It changed my life um, because I realized the ultimate purpose and the ultimate goal of me having a dollar or a billion dollars is not for me. It's not for, for other people, but it is for the kingdom of God. And it is to know him to a deeper level and to make him known in the world. And so at the end of the day, whenever I have a question of should I buy this or should I not buy this or how am I going to be provided for, um, I can come back to saying, okay, it's about God's kingdom. It's about making him known and about knowing him. And if if my purchases and if my, my savings and all those things fall within that, then I'm a lot better off and I'm a lot safer than if I'm trying to figure out how can I provide for myself. Because what I've realized is usually 90% of my financial decisions are done out of fear. And our, our market is driven by fear. And that's never a good or a healthy place to, to base our financial decisions out of. And so I want to base it out of hope, hope for God's kingdom coming, and hope that he has everything that I need in this life. Uh, so that is, I don't know if that helps yeah. you, but um, that's kind of my focus. And that's where I try and uh, realign people to, mm -hmm. because we've been so aligned with what culture says we should do. And that just gets so tiring. I don't know about you, but yeah. when you read the newspaper, when you read the magazine, when you read the blog of what you should do, you feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm the, I'm the money guy, you know, and I do this for a living and I feel like a failure. So what does everyone else feel like? You know, we feel like we can't measure up, but if we can love God with our money and if we can make his love known to other people with our money, I can do that. And so that's what I want to help other people realign to, because it seems a lot more doable. That's, I love that. So it's ultimately less about accumulating and more just about surrendering. Um, to what he wants us to do with it. And I'm curious to know, as a self-described tightwad, I think you said, uh -huh. um, was it hard to get to that place? Yeah, um, it's always hard to surrender. You know, mm -hmm. we, I think all of us would probably admit to being control freaks. And if you, if you don't admit to that, then you're probably deceiving yourself. But yeah. uh, we all love control. You know, we want to control everything. And Trust um, is the foundation for our lives. And um, if we have a healthy place of trusting God, then we can do whatever he asks us to do. 
Um, and if we don't trust him, usually that's what he's trying to push on is, do you trust me? Do you trust me to provide for you? Do you trust me that I have you know, your best interest in mind, whether that's giving it all up or whether that's making some money? Do you trust me that I am a good father and that I will only lead you to good places as we go on this? So for me as the tight one, uh, I, I had my plan and I, you know, I'm, I'm the planner. I'm the very practical. I'm a tightwad. So I had my life figured out. Um, and the hardest, um, thing that probably I've ever gone through in my walk with God is giving up control and is saying, okay, it's not about my plan. It's not about my kingdom. It's about your plan and you do with my money, whatever you will. So for me, a lot of times that means, giving more money than I want to uh, and allowing my wife to spend more money than I'm comfortable with. Um, but it's healthy. You know, God is, God is a gracious God to, to bring balance to us mm -hmm. where we need it. Josh, that is so good. You just released a book called Real Line. I would love for you to tell everybody where they can find it and where they can find you online. Yeah, so obviously it's going to be on Amazon, um, and uh, that's probably going to be your, your best place to find it. But we also have a website uh, for the book and for a class um, that is going to be coming out with it, uh, and that would be realignclass.com. And specifically for the book, you can go to realignclass.com slash book, um, and you can find all the material there. Uh, I have a personal, personal website, joshvlawson.com. That's just where I kind of do some ramblings about my perspective on money. Awesome. Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, I, I'll probably be seeing you next football season in the stands. Awesome. I look forward to it. Great. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> thank Bye. you. All right, friends, I have some really fun news for you. Josh is giving away a couple copies of his new book, Realign, to you guys. So head over to inspiredtoaction.com forward slash 66 to learn more about that giveaway. And he's also giving a free resource to y'all. So be sure to go check that out. I don't want finances to be a stressful part of your life or your marriage. So go to inspiredtoaction.com forward slash 66 to check out those awesome resources and that giveaway as well. And also while you're on the internet, Go check out plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action to sign up for your free 30-day trial. And I will be back next week to bring you more awesome mixawesomeness on the Inspired to Action podcast. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you would take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. 
set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king, and in this place my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercy. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way by His Spirit with each breath that I take. It's feeling like a good day. 